I think every Christian in their walk has that, right? Uh, I'm super emotional. I, every time uh, the gospel comes up and I think about how broken I am, uh, it's, <laughs> here I go. Uh, I, I, can, I, can, um, I can lose it as I am now because I know how screwed up I am, but Jesus still loves me. His amazing grace is still there for me. Welcome to the Our Father Stories podcast, where we share stories of ordinary people experiencing the kingdom of God in everyday life. My name is Nate Paragoy. I'm one of the pastors at Our Father Lutheran Church in South Denver, where our mission is helping ordinary people know and share extraordinary life in Christ. I'm joined on this episode, as always, by my good friend and my co-host, Pastor Micah Steiner. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic and just want to say Happy New Year to anybody listening to this relatively soon after it was published. 2023, man. First episode of the new year. And it's going to be a good one. We've got today a good friend of ours and a mentor for many, many years, Marty Colway. He's a teacher at Lutheran High School. And he's going to unpack for us. We're going to talk about identity. We're going to talk about working the truth of the gospel into our hearts. We're going to have a lot of random movie quotes and make us try to sound a little bit more intelligent than we really are by quoting church fathers. So if any of those things are exciting and important to you, keep on listening. Because, you know, who am I? My identity is a question that every human heart is always asking. And so we pray that you'll be blessed by this episode. Check it out. So uh, my name is Marty Coway, and uh, I before I came here seven years ago, uh, I was uh, teaching at Concordia University in Nebraska, uh, but felt called to come here uh, primarily uh, because I, I feel like high school is kind of a front lines ministry. Um, I feel like teenagers and young adults, uh, you know, are are the ones that are are struggling the most, uh, maybe because of the way the world is today, social media, etc. I mean, we all struggle, but um, I just felt like God was bringing me back uh, to the high school ministry that I started out in when I first started teaching. Marty, I've joked with you a little bit about how you're, but you better stay there until my boys can get through their senior year of high school, because uh, I can't. Uh, wait for them to attend there someday, because Lehigh is a really special place. You know, an outpost of the kingdom in Parker, but in South Denver, uh, that God has really been blessing you and your team and the leaders there, and not just because of the enrollment that's growing so quickly, but that you get to share Jesus with nearly a thousand kids every day. But it is, uh, you know, the, one of the reasons you asked earlier what brought me back here. Honestly, I, I set foot in the building and I could feel the Holy Spirit. Like the, I, Mr. Ness and I joke about the gifted brokenness of our staff. Like Matt Zeller, um, Chris Lazel, you know, and I could go on and on and on and on and on, uh, listing off uh, people's names of, of they are very much aware of their brokenness and sinfulness, like we talked about earlier, but also knowing who they are in Christ. And then gifted teachers and, and talented musicians, etc. cetera. Uh, honestly, it's a, it really is an amazing place to work. 
Well, Jude's five, so you got to give me at least 13 years. <laughs> well, and I got some grandkids I'd, I'd really like to see there too, yeah. And what do you teach there? What's your role? So I'm the director of campus ministry and uh, teach senior theology. Um, we focus on worldviews and uh, big topics as they head into their college uh, stage of life or the uh, following high school. So we want to prepare them well for that. Um, so four questions that we focus on uh, that we want every student to have answered well by the time they graduate is who am I? Why am I here? Is there any hope? And what's true? Um, kind of added the last question over the last few years since postmodernism has been a big deal and everybody has their own truth. So, uh, but who am I is, is probably the question that all the other th three uh, fall back on. And uh, if you can answer the first one, you got a good start on answering the next three. So take us through that list one more time. If you're listening to this and you've been at Our Father for a couple of weeks, you've heard us say some of those things in some sermons uh, during the opening part of 23. Uh, who am I? Yep. So who am I? You know, what do we base our identity on? Uh, why am I here? What's our meaning and purpose in life? And then is there any hope, which I think is a huge one also, uh, just dealing with hopelessness in our world, uh, depression, suicide, all are huge issues in our culture. And then what's true? So again, I, I feel like those, those questions, especially you know, then following all the, the first three with what is true, is uh, massive um, because truth feeling like it's relative and not sure lies in the media and all over the world uh, we need to know that there's some foundation to base all these other things on what do you anchor it to right yeah which is funny but it's really not a, a, a the question who am i and what is truth the, those are probably as old as time you know uh pilot said to jesus what is truth uh Going back 20 years, Derek Zoolander said to himself, looking <laughs> in the street, who am I? Uh, if you haven't seen the movie Zoolander, probably don't go check that out <laughs> if, if you're over 40. Uh, but how do you guys do that then at Lutheran High, knowing that the culture is so different, where, where truth is, I think Scott says this a lot, that it's like somebody standing with their feet firmly planted in midair, when truth is more relative to what you feel and what's in your heart. How do you guys deal with that? How do you teach, coach, mentor kids in that culture? It's, it's so uh, wide ranging, I guess, uh, uh, because you, you have high school has just the, the basis of, of trying to find your identity in the wrong places. First of all, uh, especially 12 to 18 years old, uh, we really try to find our identity in relationships, athletics, uh, grades, um, that type of thing. Uh, if you, so the examples that we use in school is like if you blow your knee out playing football and that's what you base your identity on, that really uh, rocks your world and ends up causing you to reevaluate, all right, well, what am I really basing my identity on? So that's been, uh, that's a real easy one because pretty much every school year something like that happens and everybody goes, oh, wow, you know, we, we do that. Uh, we've experienced that. 
But same thing for all of us, right? Like it's very easy for us to base our identity on what we do instead of who we are. Uh, so uh, actually you brought up a, a movie. The other one is Anger Management. I show a clip of that in my <laughs> class uh, where Jack Nicholson is asking Adam Sandler, you know, who are you? They're in a group setting and Adam Sandler struggles and Jack Nicholson pretty much uh, overstates it, but really causes Adam Sandler to fall apart. And But it brings home the point that uh, it isn't what you do, it's not your hobbies, it's not your children, it's not your, uh, you know, the the relationships you have around you, uh, It's it's got to be something lasting, something yeah. eternal, and, and until you find that, you've really, you know, you're going to really struggle. Well, Nate and I were just talking about this yesterday at the gym, right now going on the culture uh, there's a Buffalo Bills player, a safety, Daimler, uh, Hamler, what's his first name? DeMar, DeMar Hamler, Hamlin, yeah. Uh, had a cardiac issue on field, drops down. They stop the game, don't play it, it's postponed. And what's interesting is is the conversation that's happening around it in the sports world and the entertainment. Even at the gym, random people talking about it because it's up on the TVs on the screen. And I have an assumption, I, I believe that the reason this is so earth-shattering for people it's not because there's not cardiac arrest events in our country all over the world. It's one of the leading causes of death. It's because it happened to somebody who seems untouchable, uh, somebody who supposedly is supposed to have it all together. That's It's not supposed to happen to that person. And then that forces us to then think about, well, could that happen to me? And all those questions that you're talking about, who am I? What is truth? How do I know what happens after this world? Yeah. And we're forced to deal with it because it happened on national TV. Like a, exactly. A, a smaller version of like a 9-11 where we all sh share yeah. this experience together. So w when a kid blows out a knee, uh, how, how do you, uh, this is going to sound horrible, how do you capitalize on that horrible event that God might want to use to, to bring about a greater purpose for that kid? Yeah. It, it kind of happens naturally because we, we're talking about it in class or in chapel. You know, we, we center a lot of things on identity uh, throughout the school year. So we've maybe already been talking about it when it happens. So like helping them see that, as I said before, that, that your identity has got to be found in something deeper than what you do. Uh, helping them refocus and, and see that they're much more than than their abilities, their academics, etc. So getting them back into God's word and and talking about like who is God and 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 how personal is he to you, like having a relationship with him. I think for me the same thing happened, you know, and, and I think all athletes or or anybody who who uh who lives this life, finds their identity in something not not in God initially because of our sinful nature. We're, we're drawn to finding our identity in something else besides God. Um, and Augustine said, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, that that God-sized hole is is got to be filled by something. Uh, and it, it has to be God. It has to be God. So until that happens, we're going to be we're going to be kind of like a ship without a rudder. So, yeah, you reminded me of uh, something um, 
while we're dropping church fathers, you know, just like that. <laughs> yeah, I've got my reference too. Go ahead. Oh, okay, Dan. you want to yeah. go next? Yeah. Uh, Saint Augustine, you mentioned. Uh, I think it's John Calvin who says our hearts are idol factories. Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. that we're always manufacturing things in addition to Jesus to find our worth, our meaning, our significance in. No matter what we may say, we believe about him. It's Jesus plus something to make us happy all the time. And when it's we lose that thing then we kind of have to have a reset. So Martin, I'm wondering, have there been moments for you where you've had to go, oh, wait, because it's one thing to talk about, you know, our professional work with kids or with other people. We've seen it in them. Well, just about anything. You know, first, when I was in high school, uh, I wasn't a super intelligent person. Uh, so I did base my identity on, on my athletics and being able to be a good basketball player. Um, and then it shifted to being a good coach or a good teacher or a good theology teacher um, and being able to even, you know, coming into today, you know, like, uh, am I going to do a good job? Am I going to um, present myself well? And I think, um, am I a good parent when my kids... Uh, you know, screw up. Am I am that reflects badly on me? I'm basing my identity on my children, and I think that's a prevalent um, problem today. Uh, I was I definitely experienced that as a parent, and and I know that parents today, as I have seen college and high school students uh, with their parents and talk to their parents, um, they it's it's so easy to make an idol out of your children. Um, probably one of our biggest problems today might might be that and finding our identity in our in our kids. And that's such an easy trick the devil uses that just, it can so easily sneak into your subconscious. We just last night we had a scrimmage game at nothing. Mand and I coach our son's basketball team with his friends, and uh, JJ missed a shot. And the first thing I thought was, man, you got to square up and you should have, you shouldn't have missed that. But why was I thinking that? It was not because I wanted him to be successful. It was because my first inclination was somehow this looks bad on me. Yeah. And I, I catch myself doing that all the time. And, and I think that what you've said though is really important. We need to also be able to admit that yeah. and, and be able to say, yep, I struggle with this. And that's the, the, one of the keys to an idol smasher, idol destroyer is admit that it, is an idol so that God can do the heart work and replace the idol with, with his glory, with his love that he has for you in, in his son, Jesus Christ. Can I say something about that? Yeah. Um, I, I've, yeah, good for you to say, you know, I catch myself <laughs> doing that all the time because <laughs> it's so, it's so hidden. It's so, you know, it's there under the surface all Sneaky the time. Little, On a good yeah. day, we can recognize it. Um, I, I find it so fascinating and or heartbreaking or something that, that the way our hearts are wired, we're drawn to find our worth and our meaning in our doing, not in our being. Yeah. Right. And how good I am at. Yeah. And how well I do when I am a, in all these different vocations we have, father, coach, pastor, you know, son, whatever. Sure. Um, and the gospel says on a, you know, that it's in our belonging, in our being, a beloved son or daughter of the father. But my heart says, yeah, that's fine, but. Yeah, you know, I'd like I'd like to have plenty of other things. Oh man, I it like this is going in a really good direction. I feel like uh, the the Beatitudes, Matthew five, um, 
and, and the Sermon on the Mount in general. Uh, just got to do a shout out to The Chosen. Got to watch The Chosen. It is good. Um, uh, the new season, season three, is starting out with the Beatitudes and, and um, sending out the disciples. But here's the, here's the thing. The bizarre thing about Christianity is that God calls us to admit how screwed up we are to feel good about ourselves, which flies in the face of every psychological thought man's ever put together, right? Uh, to, to, first of all, be poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for they shall see God, I think is the, is the, yeah. first, the, the way the, the first beatitude ends. And so, like, what? You know, in order to, to have a good identity and a good self-esteem and self-image, you have to admit that you are depraved and sinful to the core. What? Yep. And, and so when you, when you look at that, the, the beauty of it, though, is, is, is being able to recognize how screwed up you are to the point of where Jesus says in, I think, verse 20 in chapter 5, that unless your righteousness exceeds the, those of the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, which the people who heard that had to be going, what? We can't do that. And I just learned this the other day that, you know, I, I knew that the Ten Commandments had the 613 laws around it that the Pharisees have put there. But then I guess there's, there were a, a 1,521 more around the 613 so they were trying so hard to be good, trying so hard to, to live a good life. Uh, but Jesus says you get your righteousness has to, has to exceed that. They had the, their you know, minds blown. So to be able to, to see that and then recognize that the only way to deal with that is a perfect person. And, and, and that obviously is Jesus. So to find our identity finally in not ourselves, but somebody outside of ourself is huge. Well, that not that funny, though? Because some of the things I've been seeing on social media lately, and not that I'm on social media, I think I, I've got three people I follow on Instagram, and, and two of them are French Bulldogs uh, <laughs> that I follow. But uh, some of the stuff I've been seeing are people who are being seen as they're so brave because they're they're finally going to break down this barrier of body shaming, and they're not afraid to just show their body for who it is. And some of these people are so brave because they're they're going to expose the the part of their being a mother that's really difficult, and they're just going to say it online that oh, being a mom is hard. And then people are clapping for them, going, "Oh, good for you." And I think that's great. That's really really good. But the amazing thing about what you just said and the power of the gospel and living under the rule and reign of Christ is that that's been you automatically get to do that as being a Christian because you're invited every Sunday to confess that yes. you don't have it all together, that life's not perfect, that you don't have all the answers, but someone in your life does, and that's Jesus, and that yeah. I, the, the world needs this now more than ever. Absolutely, yeah. One thing I do appreciate about our denomination is the recognition of the fact that daily confessing our sin and recognizing our need for a Savior uh, just the, the confession and absolution every Sunday as, a, as the body of Christ uh, to recognize our brokenness, but, but not leaving us there, but that at the same time, I think Tim Keller says this over and over again, that, that at the same time we're, we're lost and 
and and condemned and and screwed up, but at the same time were of extreme value and worth, and 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 loved by God as His son or daughter. You know, it's it's just such a cool uh, connection uh, to to who we are and who God wants us to see we are. Yeah, there were both of those things at the same time. Yeah, saint and sinner. Yeah. You know. Um, and honestly, that, how, that's our life, right? Like, that's, that's a, a recognition of, of what our life is like. It, we, we can't be perfect. Uh, we'll never get to be perfect until we get to heaven. Uh, so to be, able to, to be able to live in that tension of, of not being perfect each day and recognizing that, that Jesus is forgiving us and loving us anyway, and that frees us that his kindness leads us to repentance and that his kindness makes us more like him. Now that's what I'd like to talk about next is, is this, like, how do we, you know, sanctification is such a Christianese word, but, but really it's just hanging out with Jesus. Like it, it's being around him more, being around the body of Christ, but but just being in God's word, and and pretty soon we start to look like Him. You know the <laughs> if you've ever seen those those pictures of dog owners that look like their dogs, <laughs> uh, you know you, you, it's just weird. But we start to look like Jesus. That's a weird connection. <laughs> but, but we start to look like Jesus the more we hang out with Him, and it's not about trying. I don't think it's it's a it's about oh I gotta I gotta stop doing this. I, well, yeah, you want to stop doing that, but it really it's you you become more like him as you just realize how much he loves you and how much he wants to be around you and being connected with him, we just start to look like him more. So you Marty, I hear you kind of talking about two very interrelated things that are also distinct that are justification you know, is this complete that we're justified in, in a right relationship with Jesus by his death and resurrection, saved, forgiven by grace, you know, through faith. And then our sanctification follows that. And that is not complete. That's ongoing, the process of becoming holy, becoming more and more and more like Jesus, his, our formation. And those things are related, uh, and yet they're distinct. You, but you got to get them in the right order, too. Yeah, 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 right. That our justification forms our identity. Yeah, yeah. And here, just one other thing with the Sermon on the Mount, I, I, I didn't recognize this till I was listening to a sermon uh, this weekend, but... Uh, was it my sermon or Nate's sermon? <laughs> just making sure that we... Uh, it, it was actually Tim Keller again. What? But, Who's that guy? I gotta we, check that guy out. He should. sounds cool. He's always Tim, coming up. Tim? Tom, Tom was it Tom Keller, Tim? All I know is our last guest talked about our sermons a lot, Nate. Yeah. Marty, <laughs> that's interesting. Sorry, I interrupted you. That's okay. Uh, just like after Jesus kind of throws everybody under the bus with, you know, uh, you've heard it said that you should not murder, but I, even if you think badly of a person, you're committed murder. Or uh, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in her heart. And, and there's, there's no hope for us at those points because all of us have, have screwed up and we, we don't meet the, the requirements that he's throwing out there. But then... In chapter six, he talks about like you're more valuable to the father than than a sparrow, and not a you know hair on your head falls falls to the ground without your father knowing. And and so 
even in the Sermon on the Mount, when it looks hopeless for us, he's telling us in the middle of that that you're still so valuable. And so, you know, recognizing how God sees you is huge. Like that he, he's forgiven you, that he, he, you're of great value and worth, that you belong, that you're accepted, that you're, uh, that you're chosen. You know, like at the same time recognizing, as you mentioned before, that, that we're living in this dichotomy of sinful, but also perfect and holy in his eyes. That's an amazing identity. Peter says, and, and it's, I'm thinking about all the epistles now, Peter says you're more precious than silver and gold. Uh, uh, Paul calls us a new creation. So you think about God taking the time to carefully craft you as an individual. I mean, I don't know if you have any hobbies, but putting together a model car Legos after Christmas with your kid and you're sitting there putting the things together. Well, well, Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, now we have this rebuilt self, rebuilt identity. And that's maybe where people struggle with, do, do I really truly believe that I'm that loved by God despite my, we, we tend to think more about our, the negative side of ourselves, the sin, the shame. To go back to Tim Keller one more time, uh, I love how he says uh, the pain that we feel uh, when our idols, uh, you know, are calling our name or something like that. You know, he says something like that's the sound of, of our old slave masters calling our name. You know, th- we were talking earlier about how bad we feel when we don't measure up, when we aren't good enough. And he sa- calls them those things our slave masters. You know, I think it's a reference to Egypt and the book of Exodus and our own idols that our hearts manufacturing without them. Uh, and when we forget that we're new, that we're rebuilt, the pain we feel is the sound of our old slave masters calling our name. And I went, oh, he said that one time in a, in a sermon that I was hearing. And I started to go, oh, yep, that's one. Yep. She's calling my name. He's calling my name in my heart today. Well, you bring up a good point because comparing Christianity to the culture, the culture has three responses to sin. One is to minimize sin and not call it sin. So we see that happening with the hypersexualization of our culture. Uh, We see that happening with the way people respond to things like greed or, you know, all these. So, So what used to be in our culture, let's just say XYZ was considered a sin by the masses. The first step is, nope, we're just going to minimize that because we don't believe in sin. The second step is to cancel a person. So if you do something that by the cultural standards are so bad, like a Hitler, uh, 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 you know, this is super dark, but a pedophile or, you know, all the horrible things that happen in this world, then you're gone forever. You're, you're just canceled. There's no hope for you. Then the third one is we lie about it. And we just, we say, well, I know there's something wrong with me, but I'm going to hide underneath my filters on Instagram or my color. You ask me how I'm doing. I'm going to be great. But Christianity offers you real freedom from, from all those things by giving you a place where you can confess. And um, be honest about who you are. Be honest about who you are, but then receive what we really need, the, the grace, the forgiveness. You're saying something that, that I'm thinking of right now, Micah, that about how bravery in our culture is, um, is defined by strength or success or you know, expressing your inner truth and self yeah yeah yeah. and then we could probably say that that the gospel uh invites us 
to show strength by admitting our weakness yeah. and our brokenness, not in our greatness, but in our depravity and sadness. And these are the mistakes I've made. And that is twice or four or five, tenfold times more attractive, you know, and draws people in when we admit that yeah. than doing the great thing. What do you think? To, to go back to the, the example of the football player, um, DeMar Hamler, uh, the did you see the ESPN announcer who prayed on on camera? No. Oh, so uh, to your point, Nate, uh, an ESPN guy said we you know world's talking about our thoughts and prayers are with you. I'm let's pray right now. Oh wow, and, who and was he, that? Uh, Ordisky or oh Dan or or, Vlitz, or Yes, yeah. he's a Christian. I know yeah. that guy. And he he prayed on camera. Oh, and, that's and, so and it's cool. all over Twitter. Like it it's it's really cool. He doesn't say Jesus' name, but it was you could feel the the like people are so blown away by his willingness to admit ad, admit weakness in the sense that we're going to actually pray and uh, turn to God. It, it, That's it was, cool. That's really cool. We'll read yeah. that later. Yeah. If, if, you're, uh, if you're listening right now, Mike is feverishly like <laughs> Googling. Going, going through his phone <laughs> on Twitter, his Twitter feed right now. Well, I didn't know he played for Tampa Bay. That's interesting. You should know that, Nate, being, being a Tampa Bay big Bucks fan resident. Big, resident. Big, huge, yeah. yeah. There's a book called The Hunger for Healing that I really love. Have you guys seen that? Mm-hmm. Um, Must be by St. Augustine. <laughs> Polycarp was my guess. Uh, Tim Keller. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it, it's actually, um, he, takes the, he takes the 12-step program of AA or uh, NA, any of those, and he, instead of alcohol or narcotics or overeating or sex, uh, he just says that... Um, sinner sin you know so wherever in the 12 steps there's there's one of those words he just puts sin and i honestly i i i know this is a a weird plug but i I think every christian should read this book Hmm. because uh really the 12-step program and and the aa or na meetings whatever they are are probably the most real raw moments of people being really who they are, you know, where, uh, hi, my name is Marty Coway and I'm a addict. And, and we can all say that, like, I'm a sin addict, you know? And, and so you go on in those meetings, if you've ever been in one, like it's, it's, like I said, it's raw where people are just expressing how screwed up they are. And, and, and there's this ad- admission to who we really are. Yeah. And, and the honesty is, is incredible and, and, and palpable in the sense that you want to be around those people. You want to be around people who are honest and, and, and dealing with their sin. And that's really like, that's what we hope the church would be like, right? Like that's, that's, there's a, oh man, it's, it's beautiful when you're in a group of people that can be vulnerable and honest about how screwed up they are. I'm realizing as we've been talking over the last couple of minutes that we've been pretty conceptual about sin and grace, which are so, you know, the three of us could talk about those things forever. On a practical, personal level, from day to day, how does one work out our identity and make the death and resurrection of Jesus more and more the center of who we are? 
when there's all these other things competing? Marty, what would you say, you know, what advice practically would you give somebody? How do we work this deeper and deeper into our hearts? Um, I do this on a regular basis. Like when I'm talking to former students, uh, when I'm talking to friends that are asking me questions about faith and daily habits, uh, the first thing I tell them is that for 35 years, I've been reading the one year Bible. That's my foundation is, uh, Every morning, I've made a habit of uh, getting up. First thing I do is is read God's word, and and basically that's the fight against the lies of the world and telling me where to find my identity in other places. But I'm going to start out the day and working uh, on listening to God's view of me. And so uh, just a plug for the Bible in One Year app, uh, uh, there's a nice commentary that goes with each section of Scripture every morning. And uh, it, it, that and, and, and just a prayer uh, with spending time with God and listening to Him and then also sharing some thoughts, that's, that's the foundation of me finding out who I really am. Um, and then I would say the other thing that I, I feel strongly about is is being a part of the body of Christ somewhere, you know, being in church. And I think one of the biggest struggles today is is people have gotten away from being together. And so we just talked about, you know, the AA meetings, you know, uh, if you're not going to your AA meetings, you're in trouble, you know. So if you're not if you're not being uh, around and, and in community with with other believers, that that can cause some problems too, and in, in struggling with who you are. Um, so, those are the two big ones. Uh, I could go on, but but that's that's where I would start. So you're saying regular time in the Word of God, listening to Him tell you who you are from outside of you, not from within, telling yourself. And then being around other people, other believers, not just in general, but in, in church. Because yeah, sure. it's easy just to be alone in an island Christian, especially more and more now. Yeah, for sure. Being your real self around real brothers and sisters. Yeah, but another way just for me personally, because um, one of the things in, in uh, like Romans 8, Paul talks about um, having being filled with the spirit and i just want just tell me what that means i don't want to know what that means and and so uh at all you know in college i think i i was thinking about like what what does he mean by that and then it, i went into some other verses like romans 12 where it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind colossians 3 set your mind on things above so so the things that that i started doing was uh like Matt Chandler talks about being under the faucet. Uh, in order, so one way is God's word, being in church, but also like I listen to Christian music all the time. I listen to podcasts. One of the probably the coolest thing of technology today is that we can work out, we can go for a bike ride, we can we can work and listen to God's word or podcasts like this, uh, and and be edified and and built up and and reminded of God's love for us and how much He values us 
just like almost by osmosis, just listening to it through our earphones. So um, just surrounding ourselves with opportunities for God to speak to us. So, Micah, you're talking about your younger self. Mike, Marty, tell us if you could go back and tell your younger self something that you know now, what would you go back and tell yourself about identity and all these things? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I think, I think I would, I would tell myself that my relationship with God and, and my analysis of it, like, am I who I want to be? Uh, there's a lot more failure involved than I thought. Um, Brennan Manning in a book called The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus says, God expects more failure from you than you expect from yourself. Wow. And that line... That's great. That was powerful for me because um, knowing that God already knows how screwed up I am and that I will screw up again and, and I'll fall deeply into sin probably again and again in my life but he still loves me and and so uh to to be able to tell my younger self that um sanctification and in, in my relationship with god is not judged on on do's and don'ts but that it is held together by by jesus just because he loves me and he he's close to me and he's always with me and he's uh, that's what maintains my 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 walk with him uh, not my whether I've done well with my issues um, and that's why like being able to remind myself of that through God's word and things that that just helps me remember that I'm I don't I'm loved anyway <laughs> Marty, I think that's a great place to land. And it's been an honor to share this conversation with you, to be friends, to call you a friend and a mentor for many years. And I just want to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Marty. Well, thank you guys. It's a blessing to be here at Our Father, but also to have you guys as our pastors. What a great conversation with Marty. You know, Micah, We've looked up to Marty for a long time. I knew him when I was a student in college. I think you did too, you said. Uh, what jumped out at you as you talked to him today? Just the same theme that we've heard from, I think, probably every one of our guests so far, the ordinary means in which uh, we can experience God. I heard him say, be in worship, have that be a regular part of your rhythm, immerse yourself in God's word. Uh, he also, a big theme of his, and he talked about it with us, is what goes into our mind, like the content that we're listening to. And I was thinking as he was talking of Philippians 4, where Paul uh, tells us to think about things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely. Uh, those are the things that can actually change our thinking, can change our hearts. And uh, that's just a, it's a simple, practical takeaway for us. I resonated with what he, with what he said in passing, uh, Matt Chandler's uh, image of being under the faucet and you have to put yourself there on mm. purpose, you know, immerse yourself in God's word, let it form you and shape you. Uh, I heard him talk about how our thinking has to follow our, or our thinking has to form our feeling. Yeah. 
Does that make any sense? Yeah. The right way? Yeah, because we're we're in our culture so inundated with what you feel is then how you should think and how you should respond. This is the opposite of that. Yeah. So your thoughts follow your feelings, but you got to think about the right things. Yeah. Yeah. Any scriptures come to your mind about that? Uh, besides Philippians four, uh, did you already mention that? I, one? I did. I forgot. You, we, we we literally just had this conversation two <laughs> two seconds ago, but I do. I, I think that's the formative nature of Scripture. So if I'm wrestling with my identity in Christ, I I think to Galatians three, where Paul says that we are adopted sons and daughter of the King. I think of First Corinthians, where Paul says, "Now we're a new creation," and that that then is informing my my feelings because of the way I'm thinking about God and His grace. Mm-hmm. Just so that you know that I know some scripture too. Good. Yeah, uh, I was worried. Uh, you know, there's one of the one of the psalms that says, you know, uh, why are you downcast, O my soul? It's the psalmist talking to his own soul, to his own heart. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, put your hope in God. And so the uh, psalmist, I think it's David, is redirecting his own feelings yeah. toward the truth. You know, redirecting himself away from his feelings toward something outside himself, toward God. Yeah. We talk about it in terms of preaching the gospel to ourselves. You know, sometimes we need to be our own preachers and remind ourselves of that that grace. Yeah, not just preachers, but everybody needs yeah. to preach the gospel to themselves. Yeah, uh, that reminds me of, you know, we spent a lot of time talking at the beginning about the identity uh, formation process that we're all in all the time. To me, the image uh, of a bicycle wheel, where the at the hub, at the center is connected to the spokes on the outside. And on a good day for us, the cross and the tomb, my identity as a beloved son of God the Father, formed by the death and the resurrection of Jesus, is in the middle. But it's so easy to bring in all the things on the outside of who I am, a father, you know, a pastor, a husband, you know, a son, a friend, a golfer, you know, mm-hmm. all the other things that I am, to bring those things toward the middle and to let them compete for my identity in Jesus and my, my self-worth, you know, who I say I am, and that idol-making process that my heart is constantly doing is always bringing those things into the middle, no matter what I may say I believe about mm. Jesus. So that That's that good. image helps me. Is that your own thing? You create that? I borrowed it from somebody um, smarter than me, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I would say, though, though I've, I have golfed with Nate before. I'm not sure you should put golf on one of your identities. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but... Uh, Case, I think everybody understands the general analogy. Good job. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, uh, I think we got to wrap this up. This has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, so glad that you joined us for it. If you would like to hear more stories, you can go to ourfatherlutheran.net slash stories. Have you ever had the experience where you're, you're listening to a sermon, the gospel cuts your heart open, does surgery, and you go, oh, man, and, and you have a, well, describe as a spiritually euphoric experience where you're just overwhelmed by the gospel. Have you had one of those moments? Okay. So isn't it interesting how easy it is to... Can I just say something? I have those when you preach all the time. Nate, <laughs> like a Nate man, I, like I, wish the can- I wish this wasn't a podcast so that everybody could see us holding hands right now. Yeah. It was really touching. Moment. We're going to cut into a bro hug, and then we're going to come right back in. <laughs> go <Get> ahead. <laughs>